Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Honor Blitz right here on TuneIn, Google Cast, Player FM, Apple Podcasts, and on the largest platform on podcasts, iHeartRadio. And as always on Block Talk Radio, your host Oscar Lopez here, Gridiron Blitz 299, approaching the big 300. Uh, we're totally excited for that. Uh, we're a big show today. In the house, we have uh, 2019 induction uh, Hall of Famer uh, Stacey Agee coming in here from the Houston Energy. And then we're going to be talking about NFL Week 11. We're going to be talking college football as well. And then recapping the women's uh, scene all over the globe. Brazil, Great Iron Australia, really hot with two, two, three leagues there. Uh, congratulations to the Austrian champions. And that would be the uh, Vienna Vikings, the Dacia Vienna Vikings, 44-0 over the Schwartz Hammers this weekend. Shout out to them. Uh, 17th championship in Austria. Uh, just a dominant force in the women's game in Austria uh, with the uh, Vienna Vikings. And we're going to be just diving into a lot of football talk in general. So uh, let's bring in our Hall of Famer, WNFC, Utah Falcons, uh, Holly Custis in the house. Holly, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. My Rams won. We're good to go. Yeah, a big win for you guys. Uh, definitely a, a must-win in that situation. You're trying to keep pace uh, with my Niners and the Seahawks in a tough division, so it's a really good win for you guys. Uh, Holly, the the Levi's excitement for two weeks has been just off the charts. I got a, a bunch of friends, you know, besides yourself from Niner friends, and they were at Levi's. And they're kind of equating this like the old candlestick mentality, you know, kind of a electrifying last minute. Here we go. Uh, so against the Cardinals, um, you said, hey, this is going to be a challenge, you know, just like the last time. And it really came down to the wire also as well. Yeah, you, you know, um, I said a, a couple weeks ago when we played the Cardinals, the Cardinals have improved a lot. Um, getting Drake in the backfield has really uh, provided them with a, a different dimension for their offense. And Kyler Murray is pretty incredible. Um, I really think that the, the Cardinals are, are getting better each game that they play. And if you look, most of their losses are very close games and most of their wins are close games. So they're, they're very competitive. And so I think, you know, in, in the off season, uh, they, ha- they, they still have some holes that they need to fill. But I really think the Cardinals are a lot better than people think, and they're getting better each week, and I think they're going to create havoc at the end of the season and play spoiler for people as well. So um, for us, you know, we came out completely flat, and I was really concerned because, you know, we're, we're not like the Patriots. We're not used to winning, and having lost a really tough game um, in overtime against the Seahawks, I was anxious to see how we were going to respond. And we didn't respond well out of the gate. We were flat. Nothing was working. Uh, The Cardinals were doing whatever they wanted to us. 
And then we had a tunnel screen for, I think, like 70, 80 yards that really kind of sparked us. And once that happened, we were able to kind of get our feet underneath us, and we were okay. Um, So it was really encouraging to see us fight through that. Uh, That's the mark of a mature team, uh, that they're able to ride the fallout from an emotionally draining loss and turn around and create a win the next week. So for us, you know, it, it, it was a tough win. Um, but your friends are right in that the atmosphere, at least when I was there uh, this this last uh, year when we played the Browns, it, it, there's an electricity in the air. People know and they're feeling that this team is turning the corner. And even if we don't end up winning the Super Bowl this year, that we're building towards something and we're, we're at the beginning of our window. Yeah, and, and technically because of injuries, because of some of the you know mishaps that you've had in the last two weeks, uh, the schedule is not favorable anymore. You know what you what you came up with. Um, I think your coach said this is win number one of the second half, pretty much. Yeah. So you're really just it's one and zero because whatever you've done yeah. the last five games doesn't matter because this is the chase to the playoffs. So your performance yeah. this coming week and next week and the three weeks coming up here are going to be very tough and challenging for the yeah. Niners not just on the offensive side of the ball, but that they're going to be basically defensively challenged on both sides of the ball. So a little, of a, a little bit of a heads up because we're getting into that stage now where in the NFC West, um, I don't believe my Rams are going to be relevant at this point based on their play from against Chicago. I mean, they're just like kind of anemic right now. I have no idea where we're at. It's like Jeff Fisher 2.0. I'm kind of kind of like worried right now. Um, but reality is that you still have the Cardinals, like you said, very competitive. They've only lost by, you know, short amount of span of points, so they can rebound as well. You have uh, Seattle, who's got a tough run as well. Um, so reality is the, the NFC is going to shift. You know, at some point, something's got to give in the next four weeks. It's either going to be San Francisco in the lead, Seattle, something's going to give. Well, if you if you look at the, the just from a scheduling standpoint, the, the top teams in the NFC all play each other in the next three to four weeks. So you're right in that it's going to shake out. Um, from a Niners standpoint, one of the things I was looking for in the first half of the season is can we win when things don't go our way? And we, we proved that we can. We've had injuries the entire year. Some of our best players have been out. We've won running the ball. We've run passing the ball. We've run when we don't play well on defense. We've won, we've won when we don't play well on offense. So that's what I'm excited about. But you're right in that the real test is in the next three weeks. When you look at Seattle, they also play really tough teams in the next three weeks. They, they play the Eagles uh, next week. And so that's going to be a, a challenge for them as well. And so your Rams are not quite out of it, Oscar, because – the Seattle and a Niner schedule gets a lot tougher. So if, if both teams start to struggle a little bit, you're still kind of on the, on the edge, but you definitely need to keep winning. And you're right that right now, offensively, I think the Rams are a little bit on the anemic side. I don't think they really, since Gurley got hurt about a year ago, I don't really feel like they know who they are offensively. And that's been a problem. Holly, I think uh, Sean has been figured out. You know what I mean? First year, all yeah. this stuff, everything. I think, you know, like you said, in the NFL, it's very cut cut edge and dry. You, you get figured out quickly. 
you know, a week or two and people start to figure out what you are because everybody's so good. Even if, even if you're a lousy team in the NFL, you're still good. And at some point you're going to figure yeah. it out. So I think that's where the Rams oh. are offensively. Everybody's figured out, you know what I mean? It's like you pressure golf to, to, to make the throws uh, because he's not a running mobile quarterback per se. So you, you box him in and you're, you're pretty much, you're able to afford them a third down and get them to third down along and you're done. It's punting and it's it. That's what they've done. I'm surprised they, they, we got away with the win against the bears because it was that kind of game. And I was like, my God, really, this is what we're boiling down to. Um, Holly, Mm -hmm. what did we say of the Browns rebounding against the Steelers? Steelers coming off that win against the Rams. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Mayfield and company, and then you got the miles, the miles Garrett uh, hit on, you know, on, uh, on the quarterback, which I think it should have been two, two uh, equal suspensions. You might've given them maybe miles Garrett, maybe another week or two. Let's say you go with, okay, it's a three week suspension and, and miles gets five weeks or something. You know what I mean? It should have just been right. a fair call because from what I saw, um, he was trying to tug uh, Miles' uh, helmet from what, I, from what I saw. So that in itself is on offense anyways. I mean, they shouldn't be tugging somebody's helmet. And all of a sudden, you right. know, you're, you're going to think that somebody's not going to get mad, you know what I mean, and kind of retaliate. Right. I understand the retaliation with the helmet is not what you want to do, period. Probably the bad decision on his part. But in general, it's what happened. And so right. I really think it's equal punishment. Somebody has to, you know, here, here's it is. You go to Twitterverse, right? What, what everybody does, they throw, they throw the race card out. Because he's black, right. he got more punishment. <laughs> it's like it's not the case. Right. The fact is the NFL screwed up. Uh, whoever's making the decisions for punishment, it's almost like the courts. You know what I mean? You get somebody right. that does a malicious thing, and they're going to get life. And you get somebody that kills a life on the street and they only get six years. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't make sense. And so here's the same example. It yeah. doesn't make sense that the quarterback's going to get either a lesser offense or no offense. And then the uh, defensive player is going to get the full blown punishment, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I'll start with the, the game itself. I really think, again, I've been saying all year, the Browns need to run the ball. And in this game, it looks like Chubb had 27 carries. And so they were really trying to establish that run game. And if they can run the ball, it takes the pressure off of Mayfield. And then he can he, he's a lot more comfortable in that scenario. That's that's the way the Browns are going to win. They, they still have some holes, I think. Um, and they don't quite know who they are all, like as a whole. And I think part of that is you're, you have a new head coach. But right now, if they want to squeak out these wins, they have to run the ball. So that was good on the Browns. When it comes to the fight itself, like, I do really think Mesa needs to be suspended, for sure. Like, and I was very surprised, and I was really hoping that the NFL was just delaying their uh, punishment on him after they investigated more. Um, because I do really think that he deserved at least one game, if not two games, suspension, because you, you can't. You can't do what he did either. I do think what Miles did is a little bit crazier. Like um, I was saying that Mason's actions were about a six or a seven on the crazy scale, and Miles was about a 12. Um, and I do agree that Miles needed to be suspended. Um, as far as the, the race thing, I think it's more actually, honestly, to do with the fact that Mason's a quarterback and Miles is not. Yeah. I think that yeah, exactly. is – 
the actual reason. Mason has been here, what, like two weeks? Like, nobody knows who Mason is. Like, he, he's great. He's, like, quarterback number 12 for the Steelers. Miles is a superstar. He's one of the best defensive yeah. players in the game by far. Yeah. He's probably the best player on the Browns by far. I don't think it's a race thing. I think it's a we got to protect our quarterback thing, which I think is not fair. I do think Miles needs to be suspended, but I also think Mason – the NFL sets, its up, sets itself up for this kind of fallout when it doesn't mm-hmm. hold the quarterback to the same standard. So I agree on their assessment of Miles, but I disagree on their assessment of Mason. Yeah, I totally uh, – we're on the same same wavelength there because I was like, this is just ridiculous, you know? It's like literally punishing, you know, the player. If he's getting mocked or if he's – you know, it's safety ultimately. And if Miles felt mm-hmm. that he was his helmet was getting strapped out – which was what I what I saw. It looked like that's what was happening. Of course, you're going to be a little bit pissed off, you know what I mean? Because that's not customary for somebody to drag your helmet off your face, maybe shove a finger yeah. in your helmet or something, that kind of deal. But not completely try to strap it off your face. Um, so I, I just now, I just think they need to make the they didn't make a right call. I think they should have right. done the equal punishment. Like I said, maybe you give one player you know, the remainder of the season and the quarterback has to sit for two or three weeks out, you know, so you hurt the Steelers in that sense too, while hurting the team and all that. But, um, yeah, I, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, I do think what, here's the interesting part. If miles had not hit him with the helmet, this would be a completely different conversation. It would be a fight that got out of control um, but it didn't really end up meaning anything because everything's fine. The fact yeah. that he took the helmet and hit him on the head, that was the scary part to me watching that happen because if he had hit him with the top of the helmet and not the bottom of the helmet, he would have really hurt Mason. And so I, I do yeah. think that he does have culpability in that because even if somebody like Mason is doing the things he's doing, at some point, Miles has the helmet in his hand, and at some point, he has to like he's walking away, and and then Mason keeps coming. But at some point, you need you have that thought in your head. This is not a reactionary thing like uh, a bang bang type of play. He had enough time walking away with the helmet in his hand to think I should drop the helmet and not do anything. So yeah. he had that moment, and Miles messed that up. So I do agree with his suspension, but I also agree with you that that Mason needed more too. Yeah, I, I, I'm just saying you can't you can't couple a quarterback in that sense just because he's a quarterback. You know what I mean? It, right. That my thing right. is just Miles is no different a key player on that uh, defensive play, no different than the quarterbacks right. on the offensive. So if you're going to be equal about it, or if you're going to be fair about it, in other words, not even equal, right. but just fair, it would have been just hey, he gets the remaining of the season and he's going to get four games, you know, toward whatever. So it didn't happen. That right. Way. Um, um, before, uh, be, let's, uh, before we go into the, um, the huddle here, I just want to let everybody know 20% off, uh, at Zazzle.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Uh, Christmas is here. So holiday specials are there. Uh, get your favorite athlete and no joke football gear from hoodies, uh, leggings, t-shirts, and every other gift stuff. Go to the shop at Zazzle.com 
forward slash career and beauty. They've been uh, our sponsor for six years supporting us. And I want to let everybody know today is our basically our ninth anniversary on Facebook. So we've been on Facebook for nine years. So uh, and now it's like it's just normal for us to, you know, we got a lot of networking people. We got we got a lot of praises, but we have to praise the the people that obviously make it happen. Uh, I understand it's me that put put out the platform, started it, and everything else. But uh, I really want to give a shout out to all the uh, people that have made it possible to evolve to where we're at, which is the network that we have. The best network on the planet is what we have. We have people in Europe passionate about the sport. We have people in Australia, people in Central America, obviously here in the United States. So we built this huge network where people feed us information uh, for everything that's happening in the women's game globally as it spans. And then obviously key stories, uh, insights, and everything that's happening that has to do with women's American football. So, uh, Holly, you know, nine years, it's, it's, it's been like it's flied by since I started even covering this and doing this and everything. So, uh, shout out to everybody that's on Facebook, 7,500 strong on Facebook for uh, chiming in every week, sharing and commenting. So it's really awesome. Yeah, I think it's it's great. I mean, uh, props to you, Oscar, for getting uh, all this started. And it's been fun to, to be a part of it. Uh, and I'm excited to see what else uh, we're able to do in the future for sure. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a good ride, and uh, we got to thank Zazzle.com for giving us the platform as well here. And uh, like I said, uh, our anniversary was on the 15th, so nine years on Facebook, uh, the best resource on the planet with the best network on the planet, and that's at Facebook.com for size Great Iron Beauty. So go there for anything uh, weekly, biweekly. Check out everything all the way back to 2010 when we covered everything, um, all leagues pretty much at this point. But uh, shout out to the network partners that we have that supply us the best news stories and obviously still photos, videos, everything else, including live feeds and streams. So congratulations to them as well as us for doing our good job. And we continue to do it uh, because we love the sport and we love the athletes that play this sport. So um, let's go and interview one of those athletes uh, right now, Holly, uh, the new inductee into the 2019 Hall of Fame in Vegas. And that will be the talented Stacy A.G., from the Houston Energy and outstanding flag, uh, all uh, all world flag player as well. Stacy, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. It's um, been a rough day. I'm a little under the weather, but I said I wasn't going to miss this for anything. So super excited. Thank you, Stacy, for coming in. Day, so awesome, I really appreciate awesome. it. Um, a lot no of a lot of good things people talk about you. You know, uh, Adrian Smith. <laughs> Sours. Yeah. I mean, you name yes. it. Um, I guess you're a firecracker <laughs> on that flag side as well, and a big time baller on the tackle side. So you can do it all. Uh, yeah. I uh, fell in love with football um, back in early 1996, and um, I used to travel a lot to the Key West uh, tournament. And then from there, um, I played tackle when I got to Houston and just going around and seeing the camaraderie and it's almost like a family reunion every year when we go to a different tournament because you get to see some of the same people but um, I have lifelong friends from that so I'm I'm very grateful and appreciative to be able to have done both so yes. Stacy, uh, you've seen international growth not just on the flag side because flag's big and people don't realize how mm-hmm. big it is but it's it's a big sport you know on an amateur level now and a yes. somewhat semi-pro level 
and obviously on the world mm-hmm. stage. And you guys were at, over yes. in Central America as well for the team. So um, how does that excite you as a player and you start to see this world swirling where everybody's now, you know, competitive, so competitive now? Yeah, um, I, I think it's an awesome thing. Uh, flag football uh, gives um, the platform for any individual uh, to play the sport, which I think is fantastic. And to go and see how huge it is in the international level and the way they treat um, Team USA when we go over there, it is just so it's just so amazing and just so much fun and just to see the love for the sport and the support that they have. Um, internationally as well. I mean, we got to play in a, a huge stadium, and it was like it was packed, and it was just the, the energy there was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty awesome just to go and see how the platform has taken off internationally, and it's still growing here in the USA as well. So, all right, let's dive into energy. You've been part of the energy for a yeah. long time. Energy was very – it's a very good organization, IWFL before mm-hmm. that, and WFA mm-hmm. now, um, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of championships in the IWFL as well. So there's, you know, championship pedigree, in other words, in that organization and high-caliber athletes mm-hmm. that know how to win. And they got a lot of legacy. You know, you go back to uh, Welter. You go back to some of the Dallas Diamond players that played on the energy. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, – yes you know, big-time pioneers and ballers that have been part of that organization? Yes, I started out when it was the WPFL. And so to see how it has um, – I'm one, I'm proud that Houston Energy is still one of the teams that are um, performing and that the um, and that the team is still standing. Um, Robin Howington started that uh, that platform for us in Houston. And I'm just so grateful for her and, you know, putting her time and efforts into starting something that has now grown into what it is today. So um, I'm very grateful for Robin Howington. But, yeah, just to see it has totally changed from, like, this old-school style uh, football to now what it is today. Um, I haven't been able to get out to see the energy play lately, but I'm definitely going to put it on my radar for 2020 for sure. Stacey, uh, the explosion of two leagues uh, in the women's mm-hmm. game, we talked to every other Hall of Famer. This is huge now. We're, mm-hmm. at, we're at another level that we thought we'd never be at another level. We have level exposure on mobile. We have level exposure on social media. We have a lot more uh, visibility. Uh, the, the amount of athletes, or I would say women and girls, that are now coming up mm-hmm. either on a high school rank mentality or even on, off of college, the outlet mm-hmm. is there. I mean, you got 60-plus teams in WFA. you got 20 in the WNFC. you got another with regional so it's just like the the fact that people are being drawn to the sport even more in, in bigger numbers now, and we're getting better athletes that want to play the sport. It just uh, you know it's got to just excite you, right? Just to to know that there's oh, yeah. people that want to play the sport. Yes, um, and I take I, I say that the social media life um, and the way it has grabbed on and uh, helped women football in the last 10, 15 years is unbelievable. Um, it's so funny when I go back and look at video of when we played back in the early 2000s, you know, the VCR tape or the DVD is you know really grainy, but now you can pretty much watch a live game while being a fan on the sideline. So I think just by having social media to be an outlet to be able to show the world 
um, the different aspects of the game. Um, it, it was huge for women's football. And I think it's um, now people are getting to see that it is a quality, uh, not just some type of entertainment, but it's a quality sport. Um, so I, I get excited when I see uh, the young ladies, you know, in high school who are starting now to step up and, you know, be a part of the, the football teams and, and to do well um, when they go and perform. So, you know, social media has been huge for the growth, and I think it is fantastic of what the um, product has been put out there too as well. So, yes, I'm excited for it for sure. Stacey, tell us a little bit about you, uh, Flag. We already know about your Flag pedigree. Uh, you played with Horton. Mm-hmm. You played with Smith. Some of the top yes. players, obviously, on the tackle side that play yes. flag football, and they're yes. just, you know, what can we say? They're just Hall of Famers, too, in, in general. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you started out and then went to Houston, got onto the, the energy, and then at, at this point, is it just you're more passionate about the other because of safety, or is it just the fact that, you just needed a break or, you know, where, where are you at in terms of a tackle scene? Um, I haven't played tackle now since like 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. I think I came out of retirement. I had retired from Houston energy and uh, played for the Houston power for one year. Um, but I just, uh, more for safety. I'm a little, I'm older and flag has the contact, um, uh, just was wearing on me. Um, you know, some of the injuries that I sustained from playing tackle football, um, I'm dealing with now today. But flag football allows me the freedom to not have it to be such a full contact type sport. However, you know, every now and then when I do play some of the eight tournaments, um, there is mm-hmm. some contact, but not like having the pads on. So the longevity of um, being able to still be competitive with the sport of flag football um, is what I've fallen in love with. You know, not having to get up on Sunday mornings and uh, go see a chiropractor or whatnot um, from just the contact of tackle. But, um, yeah, I, I still love the sport, um, tackle. Uh, but uh, flag has just allowed me the opportunity to continue to play a little longer than I think if I would have still been playing tackle football. So, yeah. All right. Um, so you get a call and you get votes and you're not going to Canton, but they say you're going to Vegas. It's pretty cool, right? <laughs> yes, I am. It's pretty cool, and to um, to have been uh, given the nod by Jen Welter. Uh, we used to battle against each other many, many times um, when she was playing with the Dallas Diamonds, and uh, she's a beast on the field along with, you know, uh, Alberta. And uh, I didn't have the opportunity to play tackle against Adrian, but I have played with her many of times in flag football. So, yes, I'm completely honored and grateful. Um, I found out by – I almost missed it, to be completely honest. Um, I was just going through my um, Facebook Messenger and saw the message there that um, Mm -hmm. I had been nominated. And I was two weeks late from receiving the message and reached out to to Louise Bean, and she said, you know, give me something. And so I got it in by the deadline, and now um, I'm honored and grateful to say that I'll be going to Vegas in, in December, early December. So, yes, I'm super excited to see all the other inductees and uh, to see some of those faces that I haven't seen in a while. So, yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. I'm I'm super stoked for that, for sure. All right. Well, I'm going to have uh, the Hall of Famer also here pick your brain because she was in Vegas, too, last year. Okay. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? How's it, how, how you been? <laughs> good, good. Congratulations awesome. on your induction. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like I said, super excited. Super excited. Yes. I, I think you're you're going to really have a blast in Vegas. Um, I can't go this year, uh, unfortunately, oh. but uh, it's well-deserved for you. I'm excited for you. Um, and um, I, I think I think it's awesome that 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 they were able to recognize you because I definitely think you're one of those people that I that I was thinking about as well for sure. Oh, um, awesome! Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. No problem. Uh, so I understand that you got your start in basketball. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, um, I played uh, college basketball for Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth University. And mm-hmm. I was uh, I was totally in love with basketball and while I was living in Richmond, Virginia at the time. And then a friend mm-hmm. of mine just asked me to, um, the way I got started in football, flag football at first before tackle, um, a friend of mine just said, asked me, like, yeah, you should come out and, and um, watch one of our games on Saturday. And I went and watched, and then the next week I was playing, and then three three weeks later we were heading to Key West to play. And a flag football tournament, but yeah, I had a basketball scholarship at VCU, and um, yeah, absolutely loved the sport. Um, I missed that sport as well, but uh, yeah, enjoyed it Very for cool. sure. Um, and then, how did your experience in basketball translate onto the football field? Um, I think for me, I totally remember when we went to the tryouts for Houston Energy that people were having difficulties to have the helmets on with the shoulder pads and trying to get their head around. But for me, mm-hmm. I think basketball with the spatial awareness of your body, just being in open space and and just being agile um, and being able to use screens and picks and stuff like that, um, I think it carried over for me in football uh, because I was just kind of was able to be able to move in open space and then complement like route running and stuff with my with my teammates and my receivers. So, yeah, I just right. think this, like, that part, that part of the game just easily translated over. It, it was easier for me, for some reason, to just to have a helmet and the shoulder pads on all at the same right. time, but it wasn't a, a big bother, yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, basketball was yeah. my first love as well, and they found that the footwork definitely helped a lot. Yeah. Um, and yes, I know that, yes. yeah, like, especially with – um, I, like you said, like screens are basically the equivalent of blocking of football, so that helps mm-hmm, a lot. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And you already touched upon the difference between the physicality between flag and tackle. Uh, what type yes. of differences did you see scheme-wise or how you would plan before a game in flag or tackle? Um, for me, and the schemes for tackle football for me was more about it was just a running game for me uh, because I was just running back and I'll go into the slot receiver every now and then. So my scheme for tackle was different because I was pretty much looking for blockers, trying to find the hole, um, following my big girls in the hole. My offensive line was averaging uh, six feet, like 270 easily. So um, to get in and out of the holes were easy. With flag football, um, when I played for Team USA, I was the I'm, I'm the center, so mm-hmm. to be able to snap and then get out in a route, um, just was you know get my head around, um, being quick, uh, making sure first I had to get the snap to the quarterback, and then getting out into the route. So it was just two different types of styles for me. Um, I didn't even know I could right. snap the ball until I I tried it um, in 2014. But now, um, yeah, just the mindset of 
getting that physicality for, for tackle and then just more finesse in flag football, you know, having to keep right. your, your eyes on the flag when you go to pull the, pull the, you know, to play some defense and stuff like that. But yeah. Oh, that makes sense. More of the physicality. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you've had a long career on, on both sides. Uh, do you have mm-hmm. a specific favorite memory or memories from your career? Um, I think one of my fondest memories um, for flag football is, um, and Rusty Sowers could attest to this, we were down and we were playing Austria and it was pouring down raining in 2014 in Italy. And she made this unbelievable catch in the end zone for us to win the game. And in the pouring down rain, we have this, awesome picture, and I think it was one of the ones I sent in to where we both jumped up in the air and the rain is pouring down on us and we chest bumped, and it was one of the coolest moments, um, one of the my coolest moments, I thought, in, in football, because it was just like we never gave up on that game, and that game took us to the championship game against Canada, so it was pretty, that was pretty awesome for me. Very cool. I always found, yeah. like, the most challenging moments are usually the best moments, so that that's a really awesome yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, thank you. I'm, you're welcome. And where where do you think the uh, the future of women's football is? Do you think it's on um, on the flag side with the tackle side, both? Um, I think um, it's going to be on the flag side because now you're seeing more uh, co-ed teams that are coming together as mm-hmm. well. Um, and uh, for the longevity of the women, as like for me, um, the longevity to be able to play longer is considered for me to be flag football. Um, and I think it doesn't really uh, compete with the tackle portion of like what they were saying, like the NFL. Part of what we're mm-hmm. what our discussions was with the WPFL is like, you know, we're not trying to be like the guys. You know, we're having our own thing. You know, we we can play the game just as well. I think the flag gives it a little bit more of a finesse portion and that the women can hone in more on the flag side and make it into a professional sport too. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think that that's, that's far from the future um, to where the women will make flag football a professional sport. And then mm-hmm. it will be more of a camaraderie too with the, with the men and, as well to mm-hmm. where it can kind of blend both. And you can see great talent both ways, so co-ed and for women's teams only. So, yeah, All right, very cool. Um, my final question for you is: Who mm-hmm. is your Super Bowl pick for the year? <laughs> That's a good question. I think that the Baltimore Ravens are going to be the top dogs this year. Their defense mm-hmm. and offense. Um, are very complimentary to one another. Uh, mm-hmm. They're a hard-hitting defensive team. And Lamar Jackson is one of those freak of nature that you get to see every now and again in the game. And he is – I love watching him play. So I think the Baltimore yeah. Ravens will take it. And uh, for sure – well, I'm putting, my, I'm putting my bank on the Baltimore Ravens. So, yeah, because my team, as terrible as we are this year, I have to cheer for – I have to cheer for the Ravens now. They're closer to my Redskins team. So, yes, I said it. I'm yeah, I think <laughs> that's a solid, solid pick. And one of the things I really like about Lamar is when he was coming out of college, 
they wanted him to convert to receiver. And all these NFL teams were like, you need to play receiver. You need to play receiver. And I remember thinking, because I watched him in college, I'm like, this is a quarterback. And yes. I'm really glad that he stuck to his guns, and now he's making mm-hmm. all those people pay because he's awesome to watch. Yeah. And so, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I don't I don't know why uh, people – well, I say this, but sometimes they try to put athletes in this little box of what they think yeah. that they should be doing, especially like someone like Lamar. He's been doing that all of his life, that style of game. Right. You know, they haven't seen him, you know, the likes of him since like a Randall Cunningham possibly. Um, but he just has set the football world on fire, and I'm super excited for him. And hopefully, if he stays healthy, he's going to be setting all types of records to uh, to be dealt with later for sure. Very, very cool. Well, congratulations! I'm going to pass Thank it back you. over to Oscar, and I hope that you have a blast in uh, Vegas. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Stacey, before we go, we ask everybody the same question. Um, how would you mm-hmm. like to be remembered? What, what would you want people to remember about Stacey Ag, the football player? Um, I would want um, people to remember me as um, one of the, uh, like, a hardworking um, player, teammate, um, that each time I stepped in between the lines that I left it all on the field. And more than anything, I wanted to people to remember me as a great teammate. Any and everyone who's ever played with me on a team, whether in tackle or flag, um, I appreciate all the hard work. Um, I appreciate any and everything that you've done to get me to this moment because I could not have done it without you. So, yes. That's it. Wow. That's good. And, you know, Pioneer is still – we're getting into a stage where – you know, we get visibility. We got another year coming up of excitement, and especially here in the states with the WFA and the WNFC. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really, uh, really excited that I'm going to get to uh, meet you face to face in Vegas, which will be in about two weeks or so. And so Couple it's coming weeks? up really yes, quick. Sir. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. really quick, and uh, we'll get to see each other there and for the induction ceremony. And uh, I really appreciate you making the time. I know you were under the weather, and I really appreciate you making yeah. the time even with that. So I, I hope you feel better and get some fluids so and, and tea and all that yes. good stuff and yes. some rest. But uh, thank you for making yes. the time. I really appreciate it and look forward to uh, meeting you in Vegas. And once again, uh, congratulations on the induction. Thank you. And I really do appreciate you guys putting uh, women's football on the map like this. So that you guys have done an awesome job. So thank you as well. And looking forward to meeting you too. All right, Stacy. Thank you. Have a great night. Uh, sleep tight. All right. Take we'll care. catch you in all Vegas. Right. Okay. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Holly, there you go. Uh, what a talent. Uh, I, I just – I messaged a lot of people, and everything was, you know, good to go, outstanding, you know, international player on the flag side, just awesome. And then, obviously, her career in Houston, uh, which she done with the energy and the potential there. And, you know, just a just the fact that she's been a part of the sport for so long and a, a, such a huge talent, and then – uh, to her point, I really think our feeder system is going to come from that. Like she said, it's going to be co-ed, co-ed uh, you know, flag, and it's going to be competitive female flag on an eight-on-eight or, or that type of mentality, which will get us more athletes into the tackle side. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, first of all, the, the fact that you can be 
um, that talented in not one, not two, but three sports like that is is a really awesome thing mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and then when you're talking about the the flag component, um, I do think that uh, especially when you are talking about like the younger groups, that is definitely an avenue that uh, we can develop more and uh, work on developing more talent for both sides. And I think it's going to end up being similar to the men's side where you have maybe five, six variations of football. You know, on the men's side, you have tackle, you have, you know, uh, indoor, you have a flag, you have, you know, Mm -hmm. um, like sevens or eights, you have all these variations of men's football, right? I think it's going to be the same with women's football, but every avenue that we can develop will only make all of the avenues collectively better. So um, I do think that that is definitely a factor. Yeah, it should be. I mean, this is what we're striving for anyway. So we got Utah, we got Georgia, Indiana doing the tackle scene. Um, If Mm -hmm. you guys are interested, uh, Dion Lee, Coach Dion Lee, obviously GFA, uh, GFA gfa.com. You can go to the Girls Football Association. You guys be members there, part of it. They're obviously branching out nationwide. Uh, Florida hotbed, Vegas hotbed, Alaska hotbed. So there's a lot of a lot of movement on that side to try to get high schools to incorporate a flag program, no different than you know a boys tackle program. And I think uh, once that happens, it's going to be huge for women's tackle football in general as a feeder system, is to get to the next level. No different than they do in Mexico. You know, Mexico's huge mm-hmm. with flags, and that's where the majority of the players that go to tackle or go to legend style play come from the flag scene. So I think if we get that in America, uh, it's going to be a benefit for both. It's going to be a benefit for the uh, women's tackles uh, as a feeder system, since we don't have a college type of system in that regard. But uh, Stacey AG Wood, a talent and Houston energy pioneer, as well as like you said, WPFL, IWFL, WFA. Uh, So she's, been around a long, long time, and uh, what a talent we get to! And I, I just can't wait to meet her in Vegas, face to face. So that would be great. And that, speaking of Vegas, it is uh, December fourth through the eighth in Las Vegas at the Women's Hall of Fame at Texas Station. You can go to the Facebook page at Women's Hall, uh, Women's Hall of Fame, get the details there, and make your way to the event on December fourth through the eighth. The other event happening is the Euro Women's Mexican Scene. November 30th through December 9th, the best uh, talent in Europe under one umbrella, which is the Euro Warriors umbrella, that will be taking on a, Mex- a Team Mexico team comprised of players from FX Mexico, Lexfa, and all the other, LaFi as well. So it's going to be November 30th through December 9th, so huge tournament there in Mexico as well. Um, Holly, let's talk about this Kaepernick thing. So everybody was talking about it on Twitter uh, NFL gave him an opportunity with a workout. It was supposed to be, you know, exclusive at the Atlanta Falcons facility. Then 30 minutes before the event, he decides to change it, change the venues based on a uh, unusual waiver request. It was quote unquote the term. Um, so a lot of people felt he had his moment, his opportunity. He's under the umbrella. They let him in. Some, you know, rumors and spec and People that are just speculating, saying this is party. This is probably part of that grievance agreement where they needed to give him another shot or whatever. So, um, a lot of people are saying on both sides, you know, great for him that he went to the high school and 
made his own presentation, but on the other side, they're like, hey, you know, the NFL afforded all this, and he kind of just snubbed them. So, I mean, where do you stand? Yeah, I think you have to, like, for me, the whole entire thing is based off of the settlement and the grievance process. I really think what this boils down to is you have lawyers on both sides trying to leverage for their clients and set Mm -hmm. the situation up in their favor. I think that's where the whole thing started because if you think about it logically, the NFL, you know, none of the teams were asking him to uh, work out. It was the NFL that said, okay, we're going to provide you a place and invite all these people and you have to quickly tell us if you're in or not because then if he doesn't respond or he says no, then the NFL has won that round of leverage in the whole argument, right? So he has to say yes. So he says yes, but then the NFL wants to control the narrative. So they want it on their field with the people that they want. They want to control everything, right? And so that rubs Kaepernick's people the wrong way, of course. So he comes down. And my problem with Kaepernick is in the planning of this because it's obvious that he came up with a plan B. Because, And I saw, um, you know, I've seen like many people on the national level talk on both sides of this. And I do think it's accurate that he had to have planned this because there's no way in like two hours that you were going to get all these people like an hour away from the original site and have all these people that were already at the site with like your t-shirts on. Colleen, you, you, you don't think the high school, crew you don't think the high school, he got a phone, he took a phone call and got the high school and all of a sudden they said yes. He didn't have to go through anything no. with the high school. No, it's, that <laughs> would be very unexpected. Like, Come on. Have you ever tried to schedule anything with a high school? It's ridiculous. I know. It's like, we, it's, like it's so so bureaucratic and like, I'm not saying that it oh, yeah. couldn't have happened, but it's not likely. So if he had this plan B, which is fine, because I think you, if you're Kaepernick, you have to protect yourself, and that's a valid yeah, thing yeah, to yeah. do. My problem with him is he didn't tell people that this was his plan. He waited until, like, right before. So now you have 25 teams that have flown people out from everywhere. And granted, it's not like the A-list people because most of them are, like, at the places they need to be for the games that they're playing. But still, you have representatives, right? You have now pissed all 25 of those people off. These are not the A-list people, but they are like the D and C level people, and they will make sure that the A-list people know that you pissed them all off, right? So he did get eight of them to go wherever he needed to go with the high school. But think about the other people that didn't go. That tells you that these people have flown out from God knows where. They're exhausted and probably irritated to be here. And then you tell them that we got to move now an hour away. And then all those people left. So you obviously have made it so that the other teams are now kind of not happy with you, right? So you go to the field and you do your practice and then you you play and that's fine. But I think I think he's made a mistake in my opinion because this whole thing is about leverage, right? And you as Kaepernick, yeah. you're trying to say, I can play right now. It's the NFL that won't let me back in. But what you just did is you said 
well, I'm not going to play by their rules, which is counterintuitive because you can't do both. If you want to play for, if you want to work for an employer, at some point you have to go by their rules or else you're not going to be employed there, right? Within the, within the reason of like legal stuff, yeah. right? And yeah. so, because the company can't make you do things that are legal, obviously, right? So, right, right. but that's not happening here. This is NFL saying, it's like a coach saying, we need to be at practice at this time. And then you show up like 20 minutes before and you're like, screw all this. I want to go and have this all practice an hour away. And then the people there are like, what are you talking about? We're all here, you know? So I understand his thought of trying to control the narrative on his end and trying to protect himself. I think he's listening to the wrong people around him because I think legally it's not helping him the way that he handled it because he had an opportunity. If he had shown up with the 25 people and he had done the workout and he had showed out and, you know, and then nobody was biting, then he has a bigger argument. Now he's taken his own argument kind of away. So I don't know who he's listening to, but I, I kind of feel like it hurt him. And that's my little rant. Well, the thing I took away from it is I I didn't have a problem. Uh, I understood his stance, like you said, with the fact that you got a waiver, an unusual waiver. Okay, probably wasn't in the case. He, I know he should have known or his his team knew about this waiver. Even if it was just last minute, he could have known the the waiver. He could have just said, I'm not doing this workout and, and I'm done. We'll reschedule another time and another place another time. You know what I mean? Could have just cut it off and just right. said, I'm not doing it. And I'm walking away, and we'll reschedule at a different time instead of doing uh, a, a a political stunt. Because he does he right. does his workout, and instead of just saying, "Hey, this is my proof, here it is," and then just walk away with no press, no comment, nothing, just said, "Hey, I've done my time. Here's my workout. Great workout. See you guys later. Good night." Right? If he just did that, right. that would have been nice. But he didn't do that. He basically finished the workout. And then he bashed his somewhat uh, wants to be in, wants to be employed by the NFL, and he just, and he bashed Goodell and the owners, and and telling them that it's the ball's in their court. Well, they they can't you you can't have a ball in your court unless they give you the ball, and they're not going to do yeah. that because of the way you just no. your motives were basically. So right. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's getting bad counsel. I, if he would just if even if he changed the location, I agree with the fact that. It, he didn't want to, you know, go with whatever stipulation the league wanted him to go. And I agree right. with you with the pissed off 25 people, but it would have been somewhat okay if he just went to the location, did his workout and basically made no comment. He would have just said, "Hey, I'm out. There's the video. They can watch it and I'm out the door." So he should yeah. have just been, you know, that pro about it and moved on. And then they can evaluate and go, "Okay, well, he looks great, but now that he basically snubbed them again. You're not going to get right. in if you're snubbing the employer that you want to get in with. It's just, I, I agree with you. I think he's getting it, bad counsel. Period. Yeah, and 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 it's like, you know, it's one of those things that I I just don't understand why he thinks that this is going to work in his favor. You know, I really think that his entire, you know saw it in his original like stance is, is valid and I, I'm totally for him on, on that front. 
and I want him to play because I think he's really talented. And I think it would be a great story for everybody if they could reconcile and he could get back in the league and he could produce. It would look good for the NFL. It would look good for him. It would look good for everybody if we could have that happen. But I feel like he's getting in his own way right now. And it, Holly, it's like – Do you feel like if you're like <laughs> – if you're like a backup quarterback or you're a guy on a practice on a taxi squad, right? And you're right. trying to make an NFL team right now and the NFL says we're giving this guy privilege <laughs> for a combine right. showing. He's been he hasn't been around for 3 years. So the guys right. inside the system in other words are like turning around and they're like, "Okay, we get your uh your politics. We get, you know, hey, you you got a passion for Police injustice. We 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 totally get mm-hmm. all that, but the bottom mm-hmm. line is, this is the biggest gorilla on the planet. And if you think right. you're going to win against a gorilla, and then on top of that, you put a grievance together. Great, everything's settled. Maybe you came to an agreement, right? And everything's coached right. now. But all of a sudden, right. you're not doing this, and then they're going. They're the, the big gorilla's going. Okay, well, we we don't have to put you in because we got a bunch of players in the system already. They're going to take the opportunity to go on teams. So, yeah, I think he's gone the wrong way. I think his stance is fine. I've always said, hey, he had the right to kneel, not a problem. I don't have a problem with it. The right to bring up, you know, the uh, police injustices, that's fine. You brought it out on the biggest platform. You basically insulted your employer when you did that, and they didn't appreciate that because you didn't even have a conversation about it. So then you polarize, right. you know, half the fan bases. One side's going to agree with you. One side's not going to agree with you. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it becomes a PA, not, a PA, uh, you know, PR nightmare for not just the league, but the individual teams and stuff like that. So nobody's taking a gamble right. on that anymore because they don't want to do that because it's revenue loss. But if he just, mm-hmm. if he did what he did, like you said, if he just did his workout at the other location and never made a comment, just did the workout, here's the film, you view it, give me a call. Instead of, hey, snubbing the NFL, I've been oppressed for three years, and I'm, just don't go there anymore. Just show them what you're able to do, and then maybe they give you the opportunity. But at this point, uh, it's we have to wait and see what the next move is. And I'm assuming the next move is the gorilla just, like you said, going to turn a blind eye and just go somewhere else, and it's like we don't need to deal with this. Well, you you really, if you're Kaepernick, you, you, have, a, you have a couple options. You you just focus on the football, which it mm-hmm. is evident that you don't want to just do that because, again, these are 25 representatives from all these teams, right, which mm-hmm. is impressive in the fact that at least they're sending people to check you out, right? And then you're, you're, pro- you're reproving to these people that you're going to be a distraction beyond football, that doesn't mm-hmm. help your case. The whole point is that you're like, I just want to play, I just want to play. But then you're you're pulling these stunts, which makes people realize if they take you on, they're not just taking on you as a football player, they're gonna take on everything. And that's a that's a hard thing for them to swallow. And yeah. then in the same token, if you're like, Okay, it's more about football, I'm gonna be the football player, but I'm also gonna be this activist, well then you have a couple choices. You either join the league to try to change it from within. You try to collaborate with the league to find middle ground, or mm-hmm. you just don't bother and you try to attack it from the outside. He can't 
figure out where he wants to go right now because it's not yeah. really working for him attacking from the outside. They're too big. And he doesn't want to collaborate with them because he doesn't want to play by their rules because he feels like they're stacked against him, which is probably true. But again, when you're the employer, you hold the cards. So what is his option? His option is to try to work it from within and be that positive institute of change he is claiming he wants to be. Then you show up, you work out, you get on the team, and then that platform that you're looking for would be so much bigger if you were on the field. You don't do anyone yep. good if you're not. So I don't understand why these people are misleading him because what's I happening think right. I think he's is, being misled. Because the yeah. bottom line is we all know he's talented. That's, that's just oh, – yeah. there's no question there. You know what I mean? We, we, we already know that. Uh, we already right. know he's talented. What we don't know is what he's going to, you know, do if he gets into the realm. And, and the NFL, as most people would say, right, this is an ironclad right. shield. <laughs> it's like, it's like it's breaking huge. out of prison. It's, it's really You're not huge. going yeah. to get into the shield once you've snubbed <laughs> the warrant in prison. You're not going right. to happen. I don't care what people say about, you know, oh, he's being oppressed. He's not being oppressed. 95% of all the players in the NFL are black players. Okay. He's right. not being oppressed. The players are, are, the league is made by African American players. It's right. just the bottom line. So they're getting paid. It's not, that's why I'm saying his message is wrong in a way where if he wants to get back into good graces with the NFL to give him an opportunity, he's obviously doing it in too, too much of a political stance and not like, like right. to your point, not doing it on a football combine college i really want to be here for the opportunity yeah so i i really think that's yeah i i, I agree with you on that I, I think it's getting bad messages yeah and it, and i think it, it really is one of those things that you're like okay well if i again like his platform that he wants like he wants like who who is this big fight with? That's that's I think the g biggest question I have right now because mm -hmm. originally he was standing up for the uh, the injustice against people of color, especially when it comes to to police brutality. That's mm -hmm. that's awesome, valid, hundred and twenty thousand percent behind that. But when did it become the fight against the NFL? That question boils down to he felt like he got blackballed because he didn't get an opportunity. Then you boil down to this leverage fight that's happening this last weekend between the NFL and Kaepernick's people, right? But he's mm -hmm. losing that right now. He he needs to figure out how to get back on the field because that's how he ultimately beats the NFL, et cetera, by yep. saying, I can play and I can be a positive influence for everybody around me. Because if that's what you care about and that's your heart, then you can reach so many more people if you're more visible by being on the field. And and I think that, that should be his goal, and I really hope that that happens. But I'm really worried that it's not going to happen if, if, if they continue to go down this line. And, again, like, if he had the plan B and he had known about the plan B and he had simply said to these 25 people that were coming, I don't feel comfortable in this environment I'm going to personally invite you to my workout at this high school, and here's the date, here's the time, 
et cetera, and he had been considerate to those people, I really think it would have gone over so much better. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you're on point. I think perspective-wise, that was the perspective. But I really think he's damaged his opportunity again and to the point. Right. And so, I, I mean, I, at this point, if he gets another opportunity, it's not going to be any different. They're going to they're gonna make the game plan. They're going to do the demands. It's just the right. way it is. I mean, the only other option he has is go to the Canadian Football League, which some people right. said, well, he can't go to the Canadian Football League because it would be not as impactful as being in the NFL and snubbing the biggest gorilla on the planet. Well, if you're going to snub the biggest gorilla on the planet, that's your goal. You're in the wrong method. If you go to the Canadian Football League, and stand out and become a competitive quarterback, then you can They'll say, take you back. Hey, hey, NFL, I'm worthy, and you missed out. And then it's a totally right. different mentality because now people, fans and everybody else can say, hey, look, he's, he's still got his game. He still has capabilities, and he's proven right. it here, right, which is the next right. level equal to the NFL, which is the CFL, basically. Right if you really think about yeah. it. But he hasn't even done that. And he had so offers. He, he had offers in, when it first happened. Is he going to show up in the XFL? Is he going to show up in the XFL? That would be interesting. That would Wouldn't be really, oh my goodness, that would be really interesting. And and he had offers when uh, a lot of this first round stuff went down yeah. a couple of years ago. And he was like, no, it's not enough money. I need like X, Y, Z. And, and I, I get that. I get that thought. And, and I understand that, but I think sure. you're right. And I agree and that sometimes if you want to tackle Goliath, you you need to either you need to either get yourself in position where you can reach Goliath or you need to get a lot of help. And he's not getting he yep. doesn't have numbers on his side. So what he needs to do is he needs to prove himself on the field. And if he did it through the Canadian League, XFL, doesn't matter, like Arena League, doesn't matter. But if he could get back on the field and prove that, then it would be harder for them to keep him away. Then he would Correct. get the platform he's been looking for. So that's that's really if my opinion. There's a disconnect, and then it makes me kind of question. Well, what is his actual end like goal? Because if his end goal is to get on the field, he's not doing it correctly. If his end goal is to like just attack Goliath by himself, it's not going to work out so well. And no. so I, we'll see what happens, but I definitely think this was uh, a misstep. Yeah. Let's bring in the salty one here. Uh, Mackenzie, uh, any thoughts on that? We're talking Kaepernick right now. Oh, oh boy. Hello, all, first of all. Um, and secondly, my thoughts on the whole Cal- the Colin Kaepernick workout. Um, I love that he – you know, had an alternate, um, he had an alternate venue, you know, in case something happened. Totally love that. Um, what I don't love so much is the fact that I feel like, yes, while moving it, you know, still gave him the opportunity to work out in front, you know, in front of teams. I mean, obviously it limited the amount of teams that were there, you know, because on, you know, on Saturday teams are usually traveling, you know, getting ready for Sunday football uh, kind of thing. So, but from from the notes that I read um, and saw on Twitter from like Ian, uh, Ian Rappaport and I think uh, mm-hmm. Adam Schefter were both saying that. Sam White. Um, you know, the, yeah, the 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 um, as far as the workout, like he, they said, he's still he's still in really good shape. Um, still has a mm-hmm. really good long ball arm. 
um, they were, and then it just seemed to me that they were being a, being a little bit too nitpicky as far as um, wobbliness of the ball and the inaccuracy with the deep ball. But there's not many quarterbacks in the league that can throw a perfectly tight ball and be super, super accurate. I think maybe but you're going to expect criticism anyways. I think the criticism is going to come anyways. I mean, he's not going to have a perfect yeah. workout. You know what I mean? But, I mean, my thing is just, as Holly was saying, the way he went about it, probably not the right method to do it, you know, to snub 25 reps or scouts. Um, you know, that's probably not the right way to go with it. Um, so her point is just maybe he's getting bad advice in general. Um, but, you know, the reality is this. He obviously felt like that unusual waiver wasn't something in, to his benefit, right? So he decided, hey, yeah. I'm not going to go there. And so he he moved to the next facility, and uh, he did his workout. The only thing I took away from it is I understand where he's coming from and what he wants to do. My thing is you do your workout after you've literally inconvenienced the NFL reps and moved it to an hour away. That's fine. That's your call, big deal. You should have just not made any type of statement after the workout. You should have said, hey, thanks, everybody, for coming. I'm out. Shouldn't have even said, you know, it's in Goodell's. It's in the 32 teams. None of that. You should have never made a comment. Should have just left the video and the performance there to speak for itself. And then everybody would have said, okay, what's the NFL going to do now? But when you mentioned at the interview at the end, you're saying, hey, I've been oppressed for three years. I've been whatever. And all of a sudden, hey, Roger Goodell and all these 32 owners, they owe me something. Uh, I don't know if they're going to go that, you know, they're going to receive that very well, in other words. See, I, I kind of have to disagree as far as I think making a statement at the end was was necessary. I don't. I think some of the verbiage that he used probably not the the verbiage he could have used. But yeah. I think overall making a statement as far as you know, hey, like you guys have seen, I've been working for the past three years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I can't say that I that I've lost a step as far as you know health accuracy and all that stuff like all the small stuff i think yeah. i think that's what what essentially he was trying to get at i think just because of the 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 multitude of the situation itself you know he had yeah I, he i feel like he kind of had to just put in there like you know i'm not like at this point i've given you you know i've given you the i've given you a workout you see what i can do i'm still here i'm still mm-hmm. available i think what he mm-hmm. meant by saying, you know, it's in the hands of the NFL and Roger Goodell. I think that that's exactly what he meant was just, it's, you know, it's in your guys' hands now, you know, balls yeah. on your field kind of thing. Not, not so much saying, Hey, like I've been, a, you know, I've been oppressed and, you know, blackballed and such for three years. Give me a chill. You know, I don't think he was going down that route that he, you know, that mm-hmm. people have been, you know, trying to press for so long. I think he was really mm-hmm. just legitimately saying like, Hey, like, I'm here. Here's my tape. You've seen me. You know it's been publicized. I worked out. And now it's you know on you know it's I mean it's on you. But I don't think he was meaning it you know maliciously. Right. No. When my thing is just in a PR sense, you don't want to do that. I think you would have just what you mentioned earlier would have been probably nice. You know, like you're done with your workout. You're like here, here it is. I prove. I prove. I you know it's tape. It's ready to be evaluated. I'm ready to play. That's it. Walk away. And it would have been probably the best thing he could do because then it's 
we already know the ball's in the NFL's court. You don't even have to say that. You don't even have to say it's up to Goodell or 23 owners. You could have just walked away right there and said, hey, here's my performance. I'm, I'm, I think I'm capable of being on an NFL team, and, uh, you know, we'll see what they do. And that's it. Walk away. Um, but I, I, maybe to Holly's point, he's getting some a little bit bad advice in terms of the wordage or in terms of what he needs to do. But uh, mm-hmm. opportunities there. So, Salty, what, what, what's your feeling? What, are we going to keep going with the same? I mean, I mean, he's he's worked out. You know, it's been. I mean, it's a proven fact that he's worked out and still has mm-hmm. the same attributes that he had coming out of college. And and so and some of the some of the stats and reports that I saw even said that he was a little bit better than when he left the league. You know, obviously having three, you know, having had three years off of not playing and you know not actually having game time. You know still sticking on your workouts and stuff is, you know, and being able to heal from whatever, you know, banged up injuries he may have had, you know, obviously yeah. is going to treat, you know, be better for you in the long run as far as that's concerned. Well, we all I mean, know I, he can I, play. I, be, Based on the amount yeah. of quarterbacks in the league, you know, we already know he's obviously capable of playing or being on a, on a roster. Um, so it's really just a matter of, you know, between the two parties, you know, who's going to give them the opportunity or if they're going to give them the opportunity. Like I told Holly, at this point, it would be either it would be easier for him just to get a big contract in the CFL and go showcase himself in the CFL and then turn around and go, hey, I'm worthy of being an, an NFL quarterback and here's the proof, right? Or whatever. Yeah, but and I think – And I doesn't I want think to do that, what, so what... – and, and honestly, I don't even think it's the fact that he doesn't want doesn't want to showcase what he can still do. Like I think if mm-hmm. worst comes to worst, and he still has the opportunity to, to go to the CFL or even the XFL, you know, somewhere where yeah. he can showcase his talent and have you know get decent game time, playing action, you know, quarterback pressures, rolling out of pocket, stuff like that. You know, I think I think XFL would be really to- good for him because it's going to be hyped, new league. And if he makes instant status, you know what I mean, to your point, he mm-hmm. can go there and he'd be one of the elite quarterbacks in the league in terms of name recognition, in terms of, like, recognition itself. Um, if he can prove himself yeah. in that, like, in that aspect or, la- or that landscape, then, uh, the op- then the NFL looks kind of a little bit more, you know, I guess you can paint a black picture for them because if he can generate that or do something there. But we'll see what it, where it's at. I mean, he's already done his workout. So the opportunity now is whether, you know, the scouts that were there are going to go give feedback to the teams and whether, it's, you know, we don't know what franchise at this point is going to be more than willing to, you know, accept or take him on the roster. So that's the wait-and-see question right now, I guess. Yeah, you know, and and I think that that's really the biggest thing right, like, right this very second, not so much that – not so much his workout, not so much what he can and can't do. I think it's the overall what team is going to be that team that breaks the three, like the big three-year gap, you know, three-year icebreaker, mm-hmm. three-year barrier between Kaepernick and being in the league. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, like, I I truly think, like, if he's, like, if he can be, like, if he's been patient, you know, long enough to these past three years to go through all this and then, you know, being able to have, you know, being able to publicly say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm having a workout and, you know, invite the teams and then even, you know, through all the, 
the mess about signing the strange waiver and all that stuff, and you still have teams interested that were still there, even if they don't give you anything right away, you know, even, you know, if he, if, I think if he's patient long enough, I think, I think it's going to happen. It's just who, and I, I personally think it's going to be a team that needs a quarterback right now, whether it's a backup yeah. or whether it's, you know, an, an the mid, only mid, issue, end, mid end season. The only issue I would have is, um, it's just a detriment. He, if he goes to a team, man, I, I hope he doesn't go to a bad team where the line sucks and he's going to look horrible. You know what I mean? Just because he got a break to get in. Because then it's going to prove even worse for him. The fact that he's, you know, he's not great anymore, or, you know, that kind of, you know, perspective. Um, so he's really got yeah, to it's gonna, it's gonna add to what his, the opportunities yeah, it's are. Yeah, going to add to his, and, like, oh, he's not good. Right, exactly. So, I mean, he's, just, he's got so much pressure on his shoulders right now. And then the opportunity, if, if given, he still has to dissect that in a, in a way where it's going to benefit him. You know what I mean? Because you're just not going to go in a, oh, let's just, I'll be a Miami Dolphin tomorrow. <laughs> Miami right. Dolphins suck. It's just, it doesn't benefit you. It doesn't do you any good to say I'm, an, I'm a good, real good quarterback. And then you go to a crappy you know, roster or crappy line. And you're going to be look. You're you're, you're going to. They're going to make you look bad. In other words, you know, horrible or bad or whatever the case may be. Um, so it's still pending. So we'll yeah. see what he does. I mean, here we are back and forth. You know, it's kind of like a chess match, anyways. So we'll be keeping our eyes on it on Twitter and keeping our eye on uh, on the um, you know on the blogs and everything else. So, um, do you think, uh, Mackenzie, are we seeing Michael Vick 2.0 in in uh, Lamar Jackson? Because I really. I saw that, and I'm like, that is almost Michael Vick. I mean, technically, if you, you know, think about it. I mean, I can't – I don't really have an – I don't really have a rebuttal against it. And if I'm being quite honest, I mean, obviously now Lamar Jackson is a little bit younger than Michael Vick Yeah. now. But I almost think Lamar Jackson's a little bit better um, I think just because when Michael Vick was playing, playing like his his class of, of quarterbacks coming into the league, like his first and second year, were like the very very broad birth of a dual threat quarterback, and then you have Lamar Jackson, who's like the thoroughbred or one of the thoroughbred mm-hmm. um, dual threat quarterbacks between hell between him and Carl, Kyler Murray. I mean, those two are Stacey. pretty much. We had Stacy on right now, and Stacy said she's so impressed with this kid that she truly believes the Ravens are going to make that playoff run and maybe end up in the Super Bowl this year. Is that confident? Oh, I believe it. I full, I fully believe it. Absolutely. I mean, he he took down the goat. I mean, yes, it, it's just it's oh, one yeah. game and it's one regular season game, but oh, yeah. to take down the goat, I was I'm pretty sure that game was in Gillette Stadium, if I remember correctly. I could mm-hmm. be wrong, but the fact that he took down the fact that he took down Tom Brady in a in what could, well what, I guess what could have been a divisional you know a, a division game you know type thing and he and in in a, in a way he he almost like Lamar Jackson outplayed Tom Brady I mean oh yeah like it's just I mean in a sense you think because it's it's just you know it's football like 
everybody gets outplayed, everybody wins and loses. But mm-hmm. when you really think about it, like all the accomplishments that Tom Brady has had, even even now, even being 40, 41 years old and, you know, playing in the league as long as he has and having as many rings as he has and accomplishments and accolades. And then you have Lamar Jackson, who's second, third year quarterback uh, in the league and just out here handing it to him. So, I mean, it, it speaks volumes. And you can tell that, you you can tell the Patriots defense at during that game had that much respect for Lamar Jackson because they were they were covering they were covering they were almost in a in a zone man mix double covering his all of his threats and when you don't have anybody to throw to what's your next reaction? Oh well I'm gonna run. You know? And you, he's six foot three, six foot four, two twenty, two thirty maybe and hard, already hard to bring down because he's so tall. Oh yeah. <laughs> So I know. I mean, it's just. It I know that taking down Houston is another notch in his belt. Taking on Watson, you know, taking down Watson was a big showdown, and it ended up not really being a showdown. I mean, he literally just took over the game, and the Texans looked very ordinary, and Watson looked ordinary, and we were expecting a competitive matchup. You know what I mean? But it didn't happen that way. So hats off to him. Um, if we go to the West right now, we talked to Holly before. So what's your feelings right now? It's going to be a dogfight because the Seahawks almost claimed the West if the Cardinals would have beaten the Niners. So now they have to earn it, basically, because five of their next six opponents currently sit at 500 or better. So between the Niners, the Seahawks, the next three or four weeks here, they have very competitive NFC West in terms of who's going to be the front runner. Yeah, and I still find myself going back and forth between the two. And for some reason, I just can't, I can't seem to pick. I mean, I'm, and I think naturally I have to go with the 49ers because two of my favorite former Hawkeyes are on that team. Actually, I think three of them are now on that team. Um, George Kittle and C.J. Beathard for sure. I think Nikki Seriously, Sophie, you're just going to go because well. of your allegiance to college? That's it? You're no, taking the Niners no, like that? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going there because I've seen, I've seen what, they, what, they, what they can do with a fully healthy roster. They are very, yeah, yeah. very dangerous. And the same thing, I mean, and honestly, the same thing can be said about the Seahawks. I mean, don't ever underestimate Russell Wilson ever, period. That's not a thing. That's not something anybody should ever do. I'm with you. Just like underestimating Aaron Rodgers. I'm with you. If they get Sanders and um, Sanders and Kittle back, totally different dynamic. And if their if their running game could be just a little bit, you know, offset, I think they they they're more impactful. Uh, the the players that they had now in this win were like second rate re- uh, receivers. So you get a main receiver like Sanders and you get Kittle back, changes everything. Yeah, and and I mean on the flip side, the same you know the same thing kind of happens is. It's kind of going on with Russell Wilson. Like, Russell Wilson, I don't think, has missed a snap since he's gotten in the league. I don't think he's missed one game. And if he has, I don't think it's been for that long. Like, that's why I say you can never underestimate somebody like him or, you know, even uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, God. Yuck. Oh, pains me to say his name. But, I mean, in, in all honesty, like, if I just feel like if, for the Seahawks' sake, if, um, if Russell Wilson's receiver receiving core can find a way to get open 
consistently, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a bloodbath back and forth. It's either like the you know Seahawks are going to win and 49ers are going to win, and it's going to it's going to be it's going to be a back and forth battle between the two. But I just I for some reason see the 49ers just edging them just a little bit, not not by much, maybe maybe a game, maybe a game. All right, so they get Aaron Rodgers, Salty. Uh, what are we looking at here? Aaron Rodgers, San Francisco, returns home. Can he? Uh, can they overcome Aaron Rodgers? Basically. Uh, as much as unfortunately, I I really hate to admit. You're a cheese lover, come on. I I am the furthest thing from a cheese whiz lover. Absolutely not. What I will state, however. Green Bay is also you're a 12 hater. What? You're a 12 hater? I look anything that wears the number 12 that's in green and gold or <laughs> red, white, and blue for the most part don't you know consider me a hater. Um, but Aaron Rodgers is dangerous in general, and I feel like he's a little bit more dangerous on away games. Um, so oh, yeah. San Francisco's defense with Richard Sherman is gonna have to step up especially because they have the Green Bay has that big old receiver from Iowa State, Alan Lazard, who's been making a name for himself this season. And handily, might I add, him and Aaron Jones, if, if they can't stop Aaron Jones, the 49ers are not, are not beating yeah. Green Bay. I can tell you that. They, have to, they yeah. have to put a shutdown on Lazard, and they have to stop the run game, and they also have to keep Aaron Rodgers from flushing out of the pocket. Well, I mean, if you think about the Cardinals, closest thing to Green Bay is the Cardinals, and they almost beat them. So, and obviously Murray's oh, not Rodgers. You know what I mean? So, and they were just one touchdown away from like going up ahead and stuff. So the Niners, because they're banged up, they got to start healing up quick. Otherwise, they're going to be losing. They they lose next next week or the week after and Seattle takes the wins, then uh, we already know the front runner is pretty significant there. So um, what do you think of this Chiefs defense uh, on in Mexico? It was pretty good performance against, obviously, the Chargers, but uh, credible, I think, uh, if they step up, given Mahomes' injury recently and now he's come back. And they got some pieces to put together here. Uh, McCoy's been disappointing. But overall, you know, Kelsey and and Watkins, uh, they've been doing a good job at that. So I think uh, the Chiefs, it's really their, uh, the FC West for them to win at this point if they stay on track. Oh, man. I love Travis Kelsey. Like, he is one of the best tight ends in in football. And it pains me to say, but I, I think he's a pretty close front runner for being the best tight end, obviously, I am not a Chiefs fan, but I, well, I'll support them. You know, it's close. It's a team close to Iowa, but I'm obviously a Dallas fan. Um, but like I said, I'm still sticking with, I'm still sticking with George Kittle as, as the best tight end currently. Um, Travis Kelsey is, oh, he's he's like like George Kittle is one and and Travis Kelsey is like one A, one B. I like Kyle I, Rudolph. I really like Rudolph oh, too. He's good too. Man, see, and there's just there's just so much talent. Like it's hard to pick yeah. people for sure. Like you know, one, two, three, four, because they're all dang near equal. 
Like yeah. they're they're all dang dang near equal. But I think with Kansas City, um, with Mahomes, you know, being, this being his I think second or third game back off an injury, I think the defense is going to have to play play up a little bit more until until Mahomes get his, gets his swagger back. Um, especially because I was really underwhelmed with how many yards he threw for. Um, Philip mm-hmm. Rivers threw for. 278, 278 yards yet last night, and Patrick Mahomes only threw for about 167, I think, if that's right. So, I mean, and, you know, obviously coming off an injury, you're, you still have some adjusting to do. You still have, you know, you have to get your feet back under the water to where you were before you got hurt. But I yeah, was yeah. underwhelmed. So I didn't know if he was just uncomfortable or if he was really just trying to get his groove back. I mean, a W is a W, so you can't, you can't take that away from anybody. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I mean, I think um, it's impressive W, considering they hadn't beaten this team in a long time, and now they've beaten them twice. So pretty impressive, away and at home. So you got to give them credit for at least, you know, ending the streak, the losing streak, basically, against the Cardinals. So they, make a, they made a statement, basically, at home. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, I think, I think the – the defense for Kansas City is going to have to play up a little, play up for a little bit longer, um, and then some, you know, just just to not really overcompensate, but essentially to overcompensate until until that that fire, that original fire, comes back to Mahomes. And I don't think the I Chargers, think it'll take him maybe one game. Mackenzie, the Chargers just seem to lose games. Like they play great, you know, in certain aspects. They got Eckler, they got they had Gordon, they had Henry, uh, Rivers. It just seems like Rivers ruins it. Is this, is it just me, or is it, or are people just gonna say I'm a Charger hater at this point? But anyways, it just looks like the quarterback starts hot and then he all of a sudden just craps it out at the end. I just I, he can't stay consistent. In other words, no, I and you're not the only one who feels that way because I also feel that way, and a bunch of people on numerous sports platforms feel the same way um, because they were talking about how Philip Rivers has all these, you know, all these weapons and how the offense isn't utilizing those weapons. And they're just, they were, they were, they were also talking about how Philip Rivers now is, I said, what did they say? Essentially trying to be, be a Tom Brady as quarterback in terms of anticipating yeah where it's going to go, yeah. but there he's, in, he's almost anticipating like two or three times, you know, two or three seconds earlier where Tom Brady can literally be like, okay, here's the coverage. I'll give him about 0.5 seconds. You know, I'll anticipate him catching the ball about a half a second after it, you know, it gets to him kind of thing where Philip Rivers, you could tell he's, he's really taking more time to go through his progression and then throw the ball. Like, okay, I'm going to throw it right now. And, kind of just see where it ends up. And I think that's that's where all his picks are coming from. Instead of taking the time to be like, oh, we're going to go here. This isn't open. Like, he's not progressing through – he's not going through his progressions quick enough where Tom Brady is just out here like, oh, you're covered, you're covered. You have a mismatch. I'll throw it here give you about half a second to catch it. I, I just feel like we've made too many excuses for him, and he's not a rookie anymore. He's a veteran quarterback, and it just makes the Chargers look bad. They have so much talent. You would think that they would be able to, you know, punch it in. They have a lot of talent. It just seems like he always finds a way to create an interception where he doesn't need to be, throws the ball over where he doesn't need to be, and then, you know, just things like that. Um, Thursday night, Houston, Indianapolis, 
And Houston didn't look very good against Baltimore. Watson didn't look very, very good about Baltimore. They're missing Watt. Um, Indianapolis really has tightened up their game on de- on defense. Uh, I think Justin Houston has been uh, pretty much at least one sack in each of the last six games. So defensively, the Colts uh, matchup is a problem for the Texans. Oh, yeah. I mean, as much as I want to be optimistic because I am a Hopkins and Watson fan, I, I don't feel like this game is going to be very good. Um, oh. I mean, hats off to the hats off I, to the Colts, uh, Mackenzie. They've they've kind of salvaged their season in a way. They have, and and you know, you and you can do nothing but give them props. That that's why I don't think this game's going to end very well for for the Texans. Houston, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about your team. Let's go into the pit, the evil empire, New England, <laughs> and against the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, so this this game this game always irritates me. Like this the this New England game always irritates the crap out of me. Not because you're taking the goat down. Because tell me right now, you're taking the goat I, down. And honestly, I'm only taking us by three, because we would we would find some way to almost lose a game like we did with Detroit, and I have zero time for it. Yeah. I also am one of those you're, Cowboys you're right. fans. I'm a die I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, but I hate Jason Garrett. I've wanted Jason Garrett gone since freaking eternity. He irritates me. And we need to we need to get together and like we need to get together and pay for a banner like I did with you know with Fisher, you know Fire Fisher banner that we put in the Coliseum. We need to get a banner together yes. by the salty one just to say Fire Garrett now, Fire Garrett now. Please, oh, <laughs> just just oh man. But I I will say this with with and I'm not I'm not banking on this because you know obviously things change from week to week. Um, game game day to game day, things change. What I will say is the the inconsistency of Tom Brady's receivers, including Julian Edelman, is a little bit oh, yeah. shocking to me. And I don't I don't know why. I I can't decide if it's a Brady thing or if it's a we just need to lock down and focus more thing on the Patriots side. He is older Whatever now, it is, so we can't treat him like he's the young guy that he was before. So we really have to. Nitpick a little bit at the fact that maybe he's not seen as clearly as when he was young, and maybe the pressure is getting to him because he's a little older. You know, there's a lot of things that we don't even think about at this point because we always think of him as top notch and elite, but it could be that. Yeah, and I, and I think I think if 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 New England at least on on their receiving core, because you know, for for being 41 years old, Tom Brady is still kind of spry. You know, he's still yeah. like he's slowly starting to to realize that he's taking hits and he's taking harder hits because of the like the caliber of defensive players that are coming at him are not are not the ones that he came up with. He's he's facing so the bottom guys, line is the guys. Cowboys are going to lose to New England. Is that what you're telling me right now? Is that your assessment? No, that's that, that that's not quite a thing, Oscar. You have wishful <laughs> thinking. Um, yes, I but do. All I am saying is that is that I think the Dallas Cowboys, if they play correctly and on sound like we have been known to do the past couple weeks without screwing up, 
I I think we can we can expose those those smaller faux pas in Tom Brady's game. Hey, Prescott's playing okay. He's almost surpassing five thousand yards this season. So you can't say he hasn't done pretty well, but overall as a team, they've struggled. Yeah, and I can I definitely have to agree with you. Dak Prescott is on is on pace to hit over. I think they said 5,900 yards or some some mm-hmm. crazy number, right. and I was like, really? Like that's a thing? But I mean, his his total yards is, is what it what it's getting. If, even the games that we've lost, his total yards are still almost above 350. I think there was one yeah. game they were it was under three. Um, I'm just but saying he's the, playing the well. Offense, he's yeah, playing well enough to beat. Uh, he's playing well enough to beat Brady if he wants to, kind of like Lamar Jackson. And that's something to put on his belt because he is the future going forward. You know, when the Brady's pass, pass their time and they retire, we got a, the next level of quarterback here. And who better to, you know, to start making a statement than beating, obviously, Tom Brady. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the other thing with, with the Dallas offense is Ezekiel Elliott needs to start playing like he's being paid $90 million. He's slowly getting there, but it's taking too long. The Dallas offense, for some strange reason, at least the run game for the past couple games, when when Zeke starts, has started off very very slow. When Tony Pollard starts or or gets the first gets the first run, it's all cylinders running and we're off and scoring and getting field goals and doing what Dallas does. But it seems to me that that Zeke is. I feel like he's kind of picking and choosing, but I also feel like mm-hmm. he now knows like, okay, I'm getting paid. I'm I got my contract. I need to start producing like I'm getting this contract. So I'm going to take the uh, the Patriots because I really feel like Dallas is inconsistent. That's the only reason I would take them. And I think the Patriots are more, more consistent. So that's where I'm going to go this weekend. So unless uh, Prescott proves me wrong, I'll eat my crow next week, as they say. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm going to go with Ram- Dallas. As you're going to take my Rams against Baltimore. I know you're going to take my Rams against Baltimore. <laughs> Actually, I do have your Rams against Baltimore. I do. But seriously? For no. some strange reason. Yes, I do. Yeah, Are you I do. kidding me? I don't even no, have the Rams not, against not Baltimore. even as the least bit. I, I don't mean, even have that confidence thinking, right now. I'm so, like, I'm so disappointed in my team right now. I'm like just not even having, you know, just against Lamar Jackson, if Goff is – not on point, and Gurley doesn't even show up, we're going to get outmatched, just like Houston. I just feel it. Just feel it in my bones. Well, you got you got to keep the faith, Oscar. You know, like I said, you, you have a – I think what's going to do my, it our is defense that, is that defensive because core. Our offense is so anemic now. This is pathetic. Fisher 2.0 is starting <laughs> to scare me right now. It's just not good. Oh, God. Not good. <laughs> I'm going up against Lamar Jackson, salty one. Are you kidding me? I love my team. I'm good. I'm a Ram fan. I'm going to be rooting for him on Sunday, but I'm a real football guy, and uh, I still see, what do you call that? Danger sign. <laughs> and Lamar is so explosive. It's like, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Our defense is good. I get but you. I, I, if, our, if our defense can contain Jackson and we win, boy, will I be shocked. I think everybody will be shocked. I think that's a yeah. safe bet. Yeah. I, I just don't see it right now. I just I think Sean's getting out outplayed. 
the offense with Goff and Gurley inconsistent. You got you added Brown, that's great. Uh, you only have Cup. Our defense is somewhat, you know, top twenty at this point, respectable. But I just see the matchup. You got such a versatile quarterback with a good line. He's deadly. That's the only word I can use for it right now. Well, yeah, you're not wrong. That's my assessment. So I'm I, I'm rooting for my Rams, and I want them to win. But as an analyst, I'm telling you the the edge is in Baltimore at this point. Monday night should be awesome. And if Gurley and Goff can step up, it will be greater. You know, it'll be a good game. But if they don't, it's going to be an embarrassment. Oh, I hate to be embarrassed on prime time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I would hope you guys would try to avoid that, but the likelihood, not so high, but I'm still going for your Rams. You're smiling right now, and I know you're smiling right now because I know you know what Jackson's about. (laughs) And that's that's scary because I know what he's about. Oh, my God. We're not playing the Bills, in other words. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) We're playing the Ravens. (laughs) (laughs) At home in L.A., L.A. fans do not come up to see poor football. It's just the way it is. I don't know if Cronky's realizing this, but if we don't start stepping up our game, they're not. Nobody's going to show up for that. We got too much stuff on our, too much time on our hands. We got the beach, we got all this other stuff to do. So it's like you, you don't put a winner in Los Angeles. Nobody comes to see you. You got to put a winner in Los Angeles. And this Ram team is somewhat disappointing right now. That's all I'm saying. Um, Mackenzie, Atlanta surprised you the last two weeks. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like a turnaround. Yeah, holy. Like, just, like completely yeah, like bring more. <laughs> I'm like, wow. You know, and the, the funny thing, I guess it's not really funny because for those weeks after Mohamed Sanu got traded, the Falcons were trash. I mean, they're still not great, but the fact that they just out of nowhere – I'm not going to say decide, but out of nowhere, they just gradually win two huge games back-to-back by good amounts, too. Makes me seem like something had to change in the offense, and I'm not going to say it's necessarily, you know, trading Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots for their offense mm-hmm. work. I think – I just think Matt Ryan had one too many elite – start, like, you know, elite, um, elite receivers – that play the same position or played on yeah. the same side of the field. Um, and, and now if you notice, he's got, uh, he's got Julio Jones on, always on, always on his dominant side. And he's sure. got all the, you know, all, you know, all the, 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 uh, like the X, you know, H Y and X on the other side for his, you know, as outlets, because it's kind of crazy. You, you can only, you can only throw crazy that it took inner, inner division, interdivision games for them to click to start right because they were like not very good and then they go against the saints and now they're going to get tampa and so it's like cardinals tampa you know i mean uh, panthers they started playing Mm -hmm. way better ball when it was against their own uh, divisional rivals in other words yeah it was it's interesting how how inner interdivision games or even rivalries for that matter mm-hmm. make things click. It's it's weird. 
Um, yeah. But you know, I mean, I yeah, guess I, if, I it, if it makes you, me. you know, if it makes you better, then it makes you better. Yeah, it just shocked me that they they can turn around and they, they look so bad before, and then all of a sudden they just turn it on and they look pretty amazing right now. Um, let's go to college football right now. Winners and losers of. Let's see what we got here. Um, do you believe in Georgia? You think Georgia can uh, sort of derail this LSU uh, team here? Coming off that big win against Bama. Uh, uh, Georgia. Is the defense right. good enough? I, honestly, I, I do think as much of an SEC hater as I am. Most of my friends on my Facebook page are SEC lovers, and I – don't understand, like, ew. But football speaking, Georgia has one of the best defenses. It's just if they can match up to the firepower, that is the LSU Tigers. I have I have yet to see any defense that can match them for an entire four-quarter game. Alabama almost did it, but yeah. they didn't have enough time on the clock to, mm-hmm. to, to, to get the job done. Joe Burrow is more than likely going to win the Heisman Trophy, to be honest. Um, I think, he also has Chase. Uh, everybody's and, going that route. Uh, Randy Moss. Burrow. Yeah, everybody's going for Burrow right now. So I guess you would consider him the front runner, I guess, right now. Yeah. Yeah. I but think... LSU, I mean, beating Bama, that was huge for them. And so, I mean,. What do you say here? I mean, you, what do you think of Georgia's defense? You think it's going to match up? I, to be honest, I, I'm I'm hoping it matches up. In fact, I'm I'm pretty much going to bank on the fact that Georgia's defense is going to match is going to match LSU's offense. What I don't think is going to happen is I don't think I don't think it's going to be the other way around. I don't think. I don't think I don't think Georgia's offense is going to match LSU's defense because their defense is, their defense is kind of is scary. that the concern like, you have? Do you think scary? the offense is just not yeah. good enough to keep toe to toe? Yeah, and it's and it's not yeah, and it's not even it's not even a quarterback thing because Jake Jake Fromm, if he if he stays for his senior year, will be in the high sure. running next year. Absolutely, I just think yeah, yeah. that it's just been a little bit the play calling from Kirby Smart who's a defensive-minded coach or was a defensive-minded player is it's just, it's been, it's been overly inconsistent for what we, for what Georgia football normally is, which isn't inconsistent very, which isn't very inconsistent at all. Um, They've just, you know, come up short in big games. I mean, and people would call that choking. They're not wrong, but in the same respect, I mean, they're now they're 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 currently in the top four for the college playoff. Alabama's look on the outside looking in right now, along with Oregon. So, so Oklahoma I mean, versus that, uh, that Baylor. What, what's your thoughts there? I mean, that was kind of interesting game. I think uh, I think they were they went thirty-one to ten at half, and then they go down thirty-one seventeen. So it's just, what do you think of uh, Oklahoma right now? Oh, I am look. I am. I am ecstatic for my Boomer Sooner friends. I am so excited. I watched that entire game because that game came on right after the Iowa-Minnesota game, which I'm sure we're going to get to in a minute. But um, the Oklahoma-Baylor game, and I was just like, as I started watching them, like, oh, my God, like Charlie Brewer is really out here just 
taking apart this defense. And like and it literally mm-hmm. looked like it looked like a flashback to the to the the Rose Bowl last year with Alabama and Oklahoma where Tua is just they're picking apart this defense. This was like really normal. a must win for them because they needed to keep, you know, in the mix. So it was pretty impressive. I mean, I saw that game too and it it was like, you know, they were down and then they kind of just chip away and chip away and then here we are. Well, in 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 the fact that and see what what people don't realize is I think I think the only people that do realize this are Alabama fans that have watched Jalen go from being a freshman to being you know a national uh, you know a national champion quarterback and then you know moving on to to Oklahoma they 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 see you know the things that they've seen for a while but what I don't think other people realize is that. Jalen gets a start like get any player gets a start look on their own when they when they feel like everybody's already doubting them. And I think with having C D Lamb out, who is one of Jalen Jalen uh, Hurts' biggest targets, like that's who that's his guy, like between him and Trey Sermon who's out, um and uh shoot, um their tight end, uh Grant Calcaterra, who's also out. Mm-hmm. I think having I think having to having to throw to the next the next people in line for those spots really kind of showed showed that Jalen is capable of of adjusting on the fly because that's what he that's what he's had to do for the past two weeks and with have with having C D Lamb out and having uh Calcaterra out for now three what's three weeks now. Um, he's had to readjust multiple times and the fact that he was able to come out at halftime and just on the fly, I mean, you can't, you, you cannot beat that. Like, you, you really can't beat that, especially if you go, if you're Baylor and you go into halftime, you're up 31 to 10, you're already sitting comfortable. So you're already like, okay, we're just going to, you know, kind of mosey around until they kind of, you know, kind of make themselves a threat again. And then next thing you know, middle, middle, first, first play on the fourth quarter, Jalen throws a touchdown. Yeah. Man, half um, know, another couple minutes. Jalen throws another. He, I mean, he the game-winning touchdowns were all in the fourth quarter. Oh yeah, I mean they're impressive. That's what I'm saying. Like they they come back, they they get the win. Um, what do we say of Georgia Tech? They obviously uh, dominate. Uh, they were supposed to dominate Georgia Tech, and then at 31 to zero at halftime, and then they scored. This is like the eighth time my notes are eight time that they've scored 31 or more points. In one half, and then forty-five to zero in the end. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty big win, considering uh, they I think they've won five out of six, with one loss being Notre Dame. So, what do we say of the Hokies? Virginia Tech is very. I feel like has been this entire season has been a, has been the sleeper team that everybody. Yeah, under the radar, it would be. Including myself. Very under the radar, and not so much that, and I think because they're in they're in the ACC, it's that I think that's kind of the reason why, like, if you're not Clemson, then mm-hmm. nobody's, unfortunately, nobody's really giving you that, that much, you know, that much attention. But I think with those teams that don't need, that don't need or don't necessarily get that much attention, brings that extra fire. And Virginia Tech has shown, the entire year, just with with that that one loss to Notre Dame, is it speaks volumes. So I wouldn't, to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if next week's college football playoff poll 
has them somewhere in I think they're I think they're already in the top twenty. I'm not positive. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they if they kept creeping themselves out into bigger bowl game contention. Hey, uh, what do we say of Alabama's uh, future here, or even chance? Uh, obviously, with Tua's uh, horrific injury here uh, late in the first half. Um, so at this point, quarterback issue, but pretty much a freak injury there. It's uh, pretty bad, and so that leaves them, uh, you know, in a bad situation. Um, but they do win at against Mississippi State. So, I mean, what what do you think is going to happen here? So here's what I'll tell you: is I'm actually I'm actually a Mac Jones fan. I I like the way he plays. I just don't believe that. I'm not going to say that I don't believe that that he can't take them all the way. So you're believing in Mac Jones now instead of Tua? Well, I mean, Tua can't play. So <laughs> we got to believe in Mac Jones now. He is. He, yeah, you. I mean, you have to. And, and Alabama, most Alabama fans that I talk to, and that I'm friends with, know that they have. You know, you you got to give support to the to the next guy. Sure. Mac Jones is that next guy. Um, I mean, yeah. Mac Jones is Mac Jones has a very strong arm, and I just think that he hasn't had. You know, he's had to sit behind Jalen and now to uh, twice, and you know, and he's only and he's a redshirt sophomore, I believe. But Mac Jones has been at Bama for the past couple of years, you know, waiting patiently to get his spot, you know, does what he's supposed to, goes to class, all that good stuff, goes to practice. And unfortunately, you know, his his opportunity comes with QB1 getting injured. Major injury, and I think, yeah. I think with, yeah, you know, I think with, with this opportunity, I think Mac Jones won with it. I, I really do. I think he's going he's gonna to have kind of a fire and a chip on his shoulder like, you know, I can play too. This is what I'm here to do. Like I, I, I went to Bama for this reason, kind of thing. Like he's gonna play a right. lot, like Jalen Hurts is playing at at Oklahoma. Except Jalen has been the starter the entire season, and Matt Jones has had two starts, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're gonna keep tabs on the top twenty-five. So you can follow us on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties at the Hub. And so we're going to kind of keep everything intact. Key games coming up. We'll post them up on Twitter and on Facebook this coming week. And then we got NFL Thursday night, Indianapolis against Houston. We got uh, Sunday night, uh, McKenzie's Cowboys taking on the GOAT, the New, uh, is it New, uh, New England Patriots. And then my Rams on Monday night. Hopefully they don't get embarrassed against the talented Lamar Jackson. Uh, so check it out there, and we'll keep tabs on all that that's happening. Uh, let's go to the women's recap here before we get out of here. We've got about 10 minutes. So we'll take, we want to congratulate once again the Dacia Vikings women. They win the championship 44-0 against the Schwartz Hammers, their 17th championship in a row in Austria. So talk about kick-ass and the elite right there. 17th championship for Dacia. So really good program there huh. on both sides, the men's and the women's side. So right there, the GOAT. The Dacia Vikings in Austria. I'm just gonna gloat for ten seconds because I predicted the score perfectly. I predicted I predicted that score and a shutout. I'm excited. I was I just forty four to zero. You can't out. get better than that. That's yes. a romp in, in the playoffs. Um we're gonna have week six in Italy. 
Week six in Italy coming up here. These uh, Pirates taking on United Roma. And then we got uh, the Bologna underdogs taking on the team in Milano. And we have uh, Pirates coming in here with 0-2-1. And, and United Roma also here coming in with a record of 0-2-3 or 0-3. And you got uh, the underdogs coming in here undefeated, still on track after a 36-14 win against Aponia Unicorns. So they're taking on the Seamen of Milano. We're 1-1 one and one at this point. So it's going to be pretty exciting. Last week of the Italy uh, campaign, and then we get into the playoffs December 14th and 15th, and the final happens on January 5th and the 6th. Shout-out to Nasica del Rorto out there and the CIFAF in Italy. We're a really good job out there. And then Rose Bowl, uh, we mentioned it last week, Rose Bowl, the Berno Amazons, uh, won 26-18 over Warsaw Sirens and Warsaw, real impressive team first year in the Czech Republic. That was really awesome. We're getting ready for the playoffs in Costa Rica, and that's going to probably be the Bulldogs against Valkyrias. We're looking for the results right now from the Valkyrias against the Goddess that happened on the 17th. Once we get the updates from our network, we'll get them posted on Facebook.com for slash Credit Beauties at the Hub. So we get waiting for that, and then we're going to drive into Brazil as the championship is be, uh, supposed to be set for, I, be, I believe, the first week of December. We have not gotten confirmation at this point, but the semifinals were Bangu uh, winning against America Ref, uh, Big Riders, 28-0, and then it was uh, the Curitiba Silverhawks beating the Brazilian Pilots 38-14. to So the final will be Curitiba Silverhawks taking on Bangu Castadores. So that's the action that's happening in Brazil. We will get updates from the first three weeks in Honduras, of the Honduras Women's Gridiron League. So we'll get that updated as soon as we get the, our network um, to give us the information on that. The Sun Bowl is set. It is November 30th. So, Mackenzie, it is Thunder taking on Ravens of Bayside, the defending champs taking on the uh, Griffith Thunder, who we have been surprised all season. They keep rolling, steamrolling, and now they arrive at the third crack at the Gridiron Sun Bowl. The uh, third opportunity to see if they can take down the Bayside Ravens. I feel like I called this matchup almost two months ago, but I can't really remember. I I think I predicted think, somebody was going to go to the take down the Ravens? times. I don't think, think that, but I feel like I predicted this matchup. Yes. You did. You obviously did. So yes. who's winning is the question. I don't think I t- I don't think I got that far into it. I think I just picked the matchup. I'm going to give you another week. And now the 30th I'm 30th is not until next week. So Bayside defending champs, Thunder. Shout out to our no joke football athletes, coach, player, <laughs> and talented defensive player, all around badass, which is Amanda yours out there in the Thunder. What a badass! Shout out Amanda kicking ass out there. And then uh, she's going up against the always elusive and impressive Bayside Ravens teams led by Christy Moran, our nether no-joke football athlete. Shout out, Christy. So Christy against Amanda. Can't set it up any better than that. It's going to be a clash at the Sun Bowl November 30th. So that's it. And then North, uh, New, uh, New South Wales, uh, we have action happening in New South Wales. Two forfeits in New South Wales, unfortunately, for this uh, past weekend, and um, we needed to make sure that UTS kind of just already forfeit the season. The Sharks 
uh, severe injuries as well, forfeited. So Sydney gets a 21-0 win. Central West Giants, 21-0 win. North Sydney, 46-12 against Nippon Ducks. And that was a result in the North, uh, New South Wales. One more week left in action coming up on the 23rd uh, as we go towards the Opal Bowl Championship as we get near there. Then the other action was over in Gridiron West. We talked about it uh, this past weekend. Perch Blitz, 36-0 to against Swan City Titans. And it was the Rockingham Vipers taking on the uh, Perth Broncos, and it was 20-6 to victory there. Perth, uh, Rockingham is 4-0, just killing it this season. Uh, Perth is 5-0. There is undefeated there. Uh, Swan City 1-4, Perth Broncos 2-2. Two and two. And so the action coming up on the 23rd, Wolverines taking on Broncos, Rockingham taking on the Blitz. So a battle of undefeateds, McKenzie, in Gridiron West, 5-0, and taking on 4-0. and Pretty awesome this weekend. Oh, yeah, I see we're going to be busy on, on social media, keeping up with everything, per usual. That's how I like it. If my weekends aren't busy keeping up with, with sports and football, then there's no point in having a weekend. So I'm looking forward to this matchup. Or both, all of all of these matchups. I don't really. Yeah, know if you didn't I'm know women are win. playing American football globally, you do now. And if you go to the hub, that, you that's a fact. already. So that's the facts. Um, we'll check up on Lexfa, LaFi, and FX Mexico. Uh, check, keep tabs. I at the hub at facebook.com forward slash screen Uh Lexfa in uh, pretty good action there. You can see the results from this past weekend, and then we will get uh, results also uh, as well from Gridiron Victoria. As we get next weekend, Croydon taking on DeLong and the champion Crusaders taking on Melbourne. So we'll keep tabs on all that. So uh, McKenzie, whirlwind here. Stacey uh, AG came in to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. We had uh, Holly Custis talking NFL plus Kaepernick and college football, yourself and me, NFL. What a big two hours. It's gone by pretty fast. You know, I feel like these podcasts are never long enough, Oscar. Like, I feel like we could barely. We could turn this into like a Joe Rogan podcast and have it just for hours. I mean, there's so much. Seriously, so much I mean, I don't about. know if I can do three hours, to be honest. I don't know if I can do three hours. Uh, two hours is, is a lot, but three hours is a lot. <laughs> I mean, you got to have talent to do three hours, and I don't think I'm that talented. That's a fact. Uh, no, don't sell yourself <laughs> short, dude. You got no, talent. I'm it's a thing. I'm just saying. It's a lot to do three hours, you know what I mean? you got to come up with a lot of content to do three hours. And you got to have a staff. And I don't have a staff. <laughs> I mean, a big staff. True. To come up with three hours of content. I, I ain't no Colin Calherd, by the way. Not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Colin Calherd. Yes, that guy. <laughs> uh, all right. Mm. So, uh, Mackenzie, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Holly Custis coming in. Stacey Ag will see her in Vegas as well as we get closer to the Women's Hall of Fame on uh, December 4th through the 8th. Uh, keep tabs. If you want to try out for any WFA team, go to WFAProFootball.com. Try out for the WNFC team, WNFCFootball.com. If you want to get the lowdown, what's happening, stay in the know. You go to the Great Iron Beauty page on Twitter, and you go to the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. And if you're buying stuff for Christmas for your favorite athlete, there's only one place to go, and that is Zazzle.com for slash Gridiron Beauties at the No Joke Football Shop. So check it out, 20% off. Uh, use the codes, and you're good. So uh, for Mackenzie Brooks, the absent Holly Custis, and Louise Bean, Oscar Lopez saying here, we'll be back here for the big 300 next week. 
300 episode. I'm so excited. We'll see you here next week.